Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, when uh, we at work at THQ, uh, the Social Justice Department, we were contacted by uh, your leadership team about being part of this uh, social justice, this Kingdom of God series. We're so excited to uh, see that a core is actually interested in, in how they bring about God's kingdom in their local community. So um, it's a real privilege for me to be here this morning, so thank you. And uh, this morning, we're looking at challenging cultural practices. Now, there are some really strange cultural practices around the world. Uh, well, strange from, I guess, an Australian and Aussie perspective. Uh, did you know in, in Iran that when you uh, go into a shop and you purchase something, in many shops, you go to pay and the shopkeeper will say, no, 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 you're such a wonderful person, you don't have to pay. And then you as the purchaser say, no, no, but your goods are so wonderful, they're the best in the world, I must pay. And it goes back and forth, back and forth, until eventually the customer says, uh, the, the shopkeeper will say, oh, okay, if you insist, and they'll take the money. I don't know about you, but if I went to a shop in Australia and the, the owner said, no, you don't have to pay, I'd be like, sweet, thank you, and, and I'm out of there, right? You've got to know your cultural customs. There's a similar one in Ireland where if someone offers you tea or coffee, it's extremely rude to say yes the first time. You must say no, otherwise you insult them. Uh, they will offer you a second time. Now, here's the trick. Unlike Iran, there's no back and forth. The second offer is your final offer. Right? So if you say no thanks, you're not getting your cup of coffee. One that I experienced personally in Ghana, uh, I, I had the privilege to go there about 10 years ago, and it, looked, it seemed a bit strange to me, but men who are friends, they walk around town holding hands, uh, the way that I do with my wife or with my kids, uh, but men do it. That's just the culture there. Now, my best friend, he's a big guy like me, he's a tradie, he's a sports nut, and even though I do love him dearly, the next time we go to the footy, we're not holding hands. Like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. It's not culturally acceptable. Now, these cultures, these cultural things can seem a bit odd to us, but uh, we have our own. And uh, I have an American friend who's married an Australian friend, and he's recently moved to Brisbane, and he still struggles with how we shorten our words. It took him ages to work out what the heck a servo was. Although... Moving to Brisbane, he really loves the Australian culture of only wearing shoes when we have to. You know, he loves it. Although explaining to his American family that he does wear thongs daily was a little bit of a thing to explain. But what about our, our cultural practices right here amongst us? Now, we have some weird ones that we do ourselves. I, when I learned I was, uh, I was coming here today, I thought, well, I'm going to learn a bit about Wollongong Salvo. So I watched a whole lot of your YouTube sermons. And I saw one with uh, Phil, there he is, and I noticed something in it. And I thought to myself, oh, that's a little bit odd. But I thought, well, maybe, maybe it related to something. I thought maybe it related to something earlier in the, in the meeting that wasn't in the film clip. And I thought, oh, that's okay. And then I watched another one. I thought, oh, that's a bit odd. And then another one and another one. Do you know what I'm talking about? He doesn't wear shoes. <laughs> but there must be a reason. It's become part of Phil's church culture that he doesn't wear shoes. I remember as about an eight-year-old, the first time I went to a Salvation Army Congress, it was in at, um, Darling Harbour there. 
I don't know, a thousand salvos. And all of a sudden, someone yelled out, fire a volley. And the whole hall just exploded in sound of, hallelujah. Now, as an eight-year-old who'd never seen that before, I almost wet my pants, right? It was like, and I looked at my dad, and my dad just nodded in a bit of a salvo way. That's, that's just who we are. It's what we do. Imagine if that was your first Salvation Army experience. That would seem a little bit weird, right? The church loves a good cultural practice. Whether it's a hallelujah wind-up, whether it's waving the smells and bells or crossing ourselves at the right time and at the right moment. And we've been doing these practices so long that often they can become not only meaningless, but they can become harmful. Some, co- some cause all sorts of harm. Sometimes we know that know this harm being caused as we, practice, as we practice it, but we do it anyway. And sometimes we don't even realise. A cultural practice is any behaviour that is a normal part of everyday society. And often these practices are so embedded into our normal day-to-day living that we do not notice them. But being a follower of Jesus and someone who has God's justice firmly in their heart and as a lifestyle must be aware of what God is saying to us about those social practices that harm others. The excuses that, you know, but we've always done it like this. Or, but Lord, look at all the good we're doing over here. Can we just maybe get away with that little bit there? These won't stand in God's kingdom. These are the sort of excuses and attitudes that the prophet Micah was addressing from our passage today. And human being, human nature being what it is, it's unsurprising that thousands of years later there's still something for us to learn today. So let's turn to our Micah text from today. And it begins with Yahweh bringing accusations against his people. In fact, these accusations are set out in a real legal fashion. And he calls the mountains as witnesses for the poor behavior the Israelites are being charged with. These mountains, these eternal foundations, have been sitting there quietly observing the life of God's chosen people. And now they are called to be, to be a witness to this behavior. It's kind of an ancient version of like if these walls could talk. You know, the, those moments where we think we might be getting away with something, we might be able to do something and nobody is noticing But in fact, God's witness is always there. And what witness would they provide? And the charge is this, that they have been relying on cultural practices, e.g. sacrifices, rather than active relationships with God and with others. It echoes similar accusations found in the other prophets. Take this one from Jeremiah chapter 7. Verses 1 to 7 set the scene. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah, you that enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus say the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings. Let me dwell with you in this place. Do not trust these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly act justly with one another, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, and the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your ancestors forever and ever. 
Yahweh, the Lord, God Almighty, says to his people, do not trust these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. You see, the Israelites had taken uh, sort of cultural practices from the communities around them and believed and made them their own. And they honestly believed that if they only said these special sort of magical words, this is the temple of the Lord three times, they could do whatever they want. They could act any way they wanted. They could treat others any way that they wanted. But Yahweh pleads with them, no, I want to be with you. I want to dwell in your midst. And you know what? Magical words and phrases will not do. Instead, amend your ways. Act justly. Treat the vulnerable with care. Love others. Now, in our micro example from today, it wasn't magical words, but rather magical actions, that of sacrifice. And after laying out how God had cared for his people right from uh, Exodus, from Egypt, through to other difficult and precarious times, the people asked, how are they meant to come and thank God for this? What is their response in worship for this God who keeps his covenant with them? Micah speaks on behalf of the people, verse 6, with what, sh- with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Now the people respond with the usual offerings, the second part of verse 6, shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old? Now if you're familiar with the Old Testament, that kind of usual response about sacrificial offerings is fairly common, you would recognise that. But then they go on with a little bit of attitude, uh, a bit of, gets a little bit crazy and a bit absurd. My, uh, three day, my teenage daughters, two of them which are here this morning, would say that this answer has a little bit of sass. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I think it has a bit of attitude behind it. Verse 7, will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? And then it turns a little bit Monty Python to something a little bit more dark. Shall I offer the firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sins of my soul? Can you see the attitude that the Israelites are coming to worship with God? But Micah simply reminds them of two things. Firstly, this is the Lord Almighty they are conversing with. And they are mere people, mortal, and therefore reliant upon God, sorry, reliant upon God for life. So therefore, it's actually important they listen to this second part, a reminder about what God has already shown to them about how they are to live. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. People just doing what was culturally acceptable, simply going through the motions of worship, doing it the way they've always done it, did not please God if it did not fulfill the command to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. God is not deceived by our false worship. Our cultural practices, whether it's tithing, gathering here on Sunday, perhaps gathering midweek for a prayer service, If that is all we do, and we ignore the overwhelming call of Scripture in regards to the oppressed and marginalised. Not only is God not deceived by it, God deems it unworthy, and we're found lacking in God's court of law. As individuals and as a core, we need to ask ourselves constantly, do our cultural practices please God, or do we need to change them, and thereby changing us as well? Here in Micah, as in many other places in Scripture, God outlines just what he expects of us 
So let's dig a little deeper into this, these important commands this morning. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And reflect on what it might actually mean for our day-to-day life. So firstly, to act justly. Hopefully, over the last couple of uh, weeks of this series, you've been righteously bombarded with the ideas of justice in God's kingdom. Also, I hope you're starting to get a sense that God's justice is actually a lifestyle and just not a checkbox to tick off as you go through life. You don't just wake up in the morning and tick justice done. It's a lifestyle. It's a part of who you are. And so part of this lifestyle is to consider our cultural practices, our normal day-to-day practices of life, and examine them as to whether they line up with God's commands from Scripture. Do the things we do every day cause us at all times and everywhere to act justly? In examining ourselves and our church life, we will notice that the more we act justly towards others, the more the actions will look like actions from the kingdom of God and less like the actions of the world around us. Because acting justly towards others, showing fairness, showing favour towards others at the expense of self, that can be a hard one for some of us, especially if we're doing okay to put others in front of ourselves. To ensure that the weak and oppressed are heard, empowered and not marginalised, Sometimes in the Salvation Army, we can struggle with that one too, right? Because we we think our role is just to care and just to hand out and just to give to them. But part of acting justly is to give them a voice, to show them that they are valued to God. And I tell you what, this stands out in our self-serving individualized culture. It is radically countercultural because it it is of God's kingdom and not of the world around us. Make acting justly part of your daily practice. Watch the world notice. Watch the world turn to inquire. Watch the world start to ask and wonder about the way things are done. Secondly, to love mercy. The term we have translated as mercy is the Hebrew word hesed. And it's actually a difficult one for scholars to translate because we don't actually have a a straight swap word for word in English and Hebrew. So other translations in your Bible, you might have uh, goodness, kindness, loving kindness, steadfast love. But the Hebrew word actually means so much more than all of those things. Hesed is a covenantal love that binds a steadfast loving God to his people. So that relationships are established between the rich and poor, between the strong and weak, between the slave and free and so on. It's a type of love that overcomes all our human boundaries, all our human labels It is a divine sense of love that we sometimes struggle to grasp. The problem with the translation for me of mercy is that there always seems to be a negative connotation with mercy. When my brother and I were growing up, we would always get into a bit of a wrestle and we'd be wrestling and fighting until one of us eventually calls out, mercy, mercy, and I'd let my brother go. But for mercy to be enacted, right, one of us has to be in pain or strife. And it's the same when mercy is used within battle or perhaps a court proceedings. There has to be a power imbalance of some sort for mercy to really show through. Yet when we encompass the full nature of Hesed, then we better understand what God is expecting of us. To love mercy, goodness, kindness, steadfast love. You see, there not need be any power imbalance or negative event happening for one to live a life that always seeks out the good, that always seeks to be kind, that always seeks in relationships, to be in relationships where steadfast love means there is no rich or poor, 
to be in relationships, which means there is no weak or strong, no slave or free, no Jew or Gentile. Just the other. Just the other made in the image of God and deserving of mercy, kindness, goodness and love. To live like this is what God is asking in this passage. To live like this is countercultural to the way the world encourages us to behave. But I'll tell you this. Make a said part of your daily practice and watch the world notice. Watch the world turn to inquire. Watch the world begin to question about the way we do things. Our last instruction. To walk humbly with God. This is about following God's will and not your own. It's a walk that watches and imitates God's. Micah, a few chapters earlier, talks about learning intimately from God. In chapter 4, he says, He'll teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. You know, I was thinking and watching that clip before about the Father's Day and being a father myself. As a parent, you know your children are watching, you, watching and learning from you intimately. And it's this same idea here that we are to watch and learn from God as a child to a parent, following and walking in the footsteps of God. It is in this walk, it is in this walking in the will of God, intimately following God's lead, that leads us to humility, which makes it possible to live lives that act justly and show mercy. It is this sort of walking in your daily life that when you start doing something, all of a sudden you think, or well, actually you probably know, this is no longer right for me. Perhaps it's something you've always done, but now as you seek to align your walk with God's, as you seek to make the kingdom of God your standard and not this world, then perhaps the things you've always done will need to change. Those practices that were once normal no longer feel just, merciful or humble before God. That can be confronting. But those who act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with God live lives that reflect his love and justice. And they understand that sometimes cultural practices need to change. They must. And I'll tell you this. Make those kingdom changes to your daily life. Watch the world notice. Watch the world turn to inquire. Watch the world begin to question about how things are done. So this is where the rubber hits the road for us this morning. If we are to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to challenge any cultural practices of ourselves and our community that are unjust. And the question we need to ask is, what cultural practices do I blindly adhere to? Just as the Israelites were relying blindly upon sacrifice, what are those things that I adhere to that God would not call good? As a young kid, I used insults that were just the way we kids insulted each other at the time, primarily about calling the other kids some derogatory Aboriginal name. As a teenager, I used derogatory insults uh, based around homosexuality that other teenagers did. We just all did it. And still, even today, part of our Australian culture allows insults, put-downs, demeanings, as long as it's used within humour. Do you notice that? If you say it in a joke, you can say pretty much anything you want. 
Aboriginal people commit suicide six times the rate of non-Aboriginal people, and in some parts of Australia, the suicide rate is near world's worst. LGBT young people aged 16 to 27 are five times more likely to attempt suicide, and sadly, the success rate is higher too. Now, as a kid, I, gee, I wish I knew better. As a teenager, to be honest, I probably did, but I just went with the crowd. And as an adult, I've had to repent of those actions because I know full well that my words, even as a joke, cut deep, create injustice, they show hate and not mercy, and they are far, far from walking humbly with God. Yes, they might be culturally acceptable, yet culturally acceptable, yet harmful language is one but example that I'm working on. I have other aspects too. And how about you? And lastly... What cultural practices that God would not call good does our core blindly adhere to? Now, I'm a guest here at Wollongong, and I'm, this is actually my first time here, and I'm really enjoying it. So that's not a question for me to answer from the platform. That one is for you all as God's family here at Rockdale. Uh, Rockdale, that's my call. And I've said this to them as well. <laughs> um, at Wollongong, to work through as you can as you continue this important series but i will remind us all that worship that ignores the needs of fellow people is not worshiping god is not worship that god calls good don't just think and study and do bible studies and sermons about injustice to act to do to love to walk that is the call that god gave the israelites and that is the call that god gives us this morning I'm going to close this time in a prayer and then after that we're going to reflect on a chorus uh, creating me a clean heart because it needs to start here and I believe this morning that if there is things that make up part of your day-to-day -day life that the Holy Spirit will want to be challenging you about that if there's something here as a core that you feel is not quite right when you reflect on God's justice and mercy that God will speak to you this morning so as we sing through this song, I challenge you to look honestly at yourself. Maybe you want to come forward for prayer about that or maybe just pray where you are or speak to one of your leadership and pastoral care teams after that. I encourage you to do that. Living for God's kingdom is countercultural. It can be challenging and hard, but it is the overwhelming call of scripture. Let's pray. Loving God, we just thank you that you love us and that your love overcomes all our faults and failures. We just pray this morning that as we reflect upon how we live our daily lives, that your spirit would just show us those areas that you do not call good. Convict us this morning, Lord, to repent of those and to seek out a better way. Lord, we just pray that overwhelmingly we just desire to live the way that you want aligning our will with yours, aligning our walk with yours, walking in your kingdom. Lord, may that be the challenge for us this morning. In your name we pray.